As you see these minor prophets, there's something uh, very distinct about each and every one of them. Something that God has given to uh, us. And the whole counsel of the Word of God is for our benefit. It's not just a few pieces of it or parts of it. Uh, And we shouldn't just get stuck on one book or one section or one uh, area that we preach out of or study all the time. But we take the whole counsel of the Word of God that's given to us and we apply it to our lives. And this is just exactly what we've been doing Uh, a few weeks ago when we started. uh, We wanted to make sure that we uh, got those pages that, uh, as some people say, still stick together because we don't read through those books so much. Get them a little loose. Get them available to where they'll uh, open up freely as well. We've gone through several of them. Jonah's probably being uh, one of the most uh, ones that I've known the most well, that be able to see and be able to know the, the setting behind the book of Jonah. But here we go through into the book of Habakkuk as well and excited about what God has to say. How many of you can say, I have found the book of Habakkuk? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I'm so excited for that. Uh, if you have a, a book, a Bible like mine, I do have a Bible that actually begins on page number 1189. If you need some assistance, praise the Lord. Uh, and one of those old Schofield 1967 notes that we have. And uh, so thankful for that. But looking forward to what this has. And we really truly are going through this. And really specifically, we want to look at the chapter in chapter number 3. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter number 3, there's three uh, entire Uh, The entire book is made up of just those three uh, chapters that we go through. And these verses that we have uh, has 19 verses in this third chapter. But as we look at it, I want you to look at this very first verse with me. In chapter number 3 in the book of Habakkuk, the Bible says this, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet unto Shiganoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, look at these words. Revive thy work in the midst of the years, and in the midst of years make known, and in wrath remember mercy. Glory to God. Thank God for his mercy that he has given to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this evening. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to stand once again in your house, to be able to proclaim, thus saith the Lord, proclaim the word of God. Lord, I pray that you'd help me, God. I pray that you'd use me, Lord, this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd touch in a way that I'd be used uh, uh, the way that you'd see fit. God, guard my mouth and mind as I preach, God, the word. Lord, I pray that you would say me, uh, let me say exactly what you'd have me to say. And Lord, let these people hear exactly what you'd have them to hear. And Lord, uh, make nothing of myself this evening. But God, I want to make much of you. I want to make much of your son. I want to make much of the Holy Spirit of God. And we thank you that we can come to you boldly before the throne of grace. God, we thank you we can make our petitions known to you. God, we are also thankful that we can come to your word, and it will help us and touch us, and we can use it and apply it into each and every one of our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd use it, God, this evening. And it's in Christ's name that we pray all these things. Amen and amen. So as we get started this evening in the book of Habakkuk, we read those few verses and we talk about mercy, the mercy of God that is necessary for each and every one of us. We have to have the mercy of God. If we go without the mercy of God, then we are all men going to straight to hell. We have to have the mercy and the grace of God that he would bestow upon each and every one of us. But as we looked here in the book of Habakkuk, very little is known about this prophet. 
As a matter of fact, he doesn't even give his father's name or his background or where he's from or any of those things. He just goes straight in and he begins to go through the the prophecy that God has given to him. The amazing thing to me, Brother Barrios, about this is the fact that when you look at this book, he starts one way and then by the end of the third chapter, he is completely turned around. When you look at the book of Habakkuk, he is uh, going in one direction. He's saying that this is all wrong and this is all terrible and these people are in power and the wicked is prevailing and the wicked are doing all of these wonderful things. And God, why? He's kind of like a toddler. How many of you raised a toddler before? (laughs) And a toddler, I I remember the days of my children and their uh, young youth as they were, they loved that question that all of us want to know. And it's kind of like Habakkuk says exactly as a toddler does. Why? Why? Now, I've had people ask me, I've had my sons ask me, why is the sky blue? (laughs) Somebody laughing back there, amen. Why is the sky blue? Well, I found out, I did some research, and I found out that the sky is actually black, but when the sun comes through and the moisture that is in the air, the refraction and the prisms that actually come through, the primary color that comes to our our eyes is the color blue. Thank you very much. Yes. So I had to do that research for my children to be able to. So, okay. Then he said, well, smart guy, if you're so smart, why is the grass green? Shut up, kid. Amen. No, no, I'm just. uh... So you go through, you actually see that the photosynthesis process is actually the sun that's going in and then the water that is absorbed. And then therefore you see the photosynthesis taking place and it causes the green grass to grow. If you do not have the moisture and the sunlight, you will not get green grass. That's all common sense to us. So I put that one in there and uh, he got impressed again. So he started asking other questions and I said, go ask your mother. Exactly what all of us husband, men, fathers need to do. Refer them to somebody that knows more than we do. Amen. Ladies, that was your chance to say amen. That was your chance right there. But we go through and this is what Habakkuk is exactly he's saying. That why? Why is this happening? Why is going? Why is you allowing this to go on? You are a just, omniscient God. And you know that these people are wicked. And you know that these things are going on. And you know the sin that is in Israel right now. You know the sin that is in Judah. Jerusalem is a sinful place right now. And you know that that's happening. Yet you're allowing that to happen. And then then God goes on. And in chapter number 1, He begins to go through and begins to tell them uh, several different things that, that that, that we look at. But as we go through and we say that He is looking in one direction, Habakkuk says this is all terrible. But then when you get to the end of the chapter, things are going great. Look with me in chapter number 1, verse number 2. In chapter number 1, verse number 2, in the book of Habakkuk, uh, it gives us a beautiful, beautiful picture of what's going on. Chapter number 1, verse number 2, it says, O Lord, how long shall I cry? Thou wilt not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. You can hear the disparity in his voice. You can hear how he's crying out and he's saying, God, all of this is going wrong. Why would you allow it? But I want you to do it in complete contrast and stark contrast. Go with me to chapter number 3, verse number 19. Chapter number 3, verse number 19, the book of Habakkuk says this, The Lord thy God is my strength, (laughs) and he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon... Mine high places. 
So this is a complete change. This is a complete turnaround from what he is. At first we see a man that is there that's wailing in despair. But then at the end of the book you see a man that's shouting because of the goodness of God and shouting hallelujah every step of the way. But there are times that we all have that time when we say we see the promiscuity of the wicked, but then therefore it seems like there's promotion, there's prosperity, and it's displayed and it's thrown into our face. And we say, God, why would you allow something like to take place? But when we look at this prophecy, that's just exactly how Habakkuk was feeling. As he began to look through there, he felt the burden of Habakkuk is revealed. And why would a just God do allow that? He's perplexed. In that very first chapter, he's perplexed about why, God, would you do this? Look with me in the couple of verses, chapter number three, or chapter number one, excuse me, in verses number three and four. Verses number three and four, we'll do this real quickly by way of introduction. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are uh, that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Well, he's accusing God. He's saying, God, you're allowing this to have uh, to take place, but yet God has patience with us. God has mercy on every one of us. Jerusalem was filled with wickedness and the crimes of violence and all of those things. Lawlessness was taking place. And because of those numerous things, that the prophet was actually appalled at this sight, was saying, God, you're allowing this in your holy city. And he, he could only point to the fate of other nations. And he's saying, look, when you did this, when they did this, when, when the people of Assyria were doing this, they were destroyed. When the people of Nineveh did this, they were destroyed. When the people of, uh, insert those people, other nations, and say, when they were acting this, way, you destroyed them, you took them out, and and you were able to bring judgment upon them. And it's surely going to happen to the people of Judah. Shouldn't it begin to happen? And then when you look to verse number 5, verses 5 through 11, I won't go and read through that, but if you look through those verses, uh, those verses exactly, God is revealing that the people that were even more vile than the people that were in Jerusalem are going to come and put judgment on them. Now that one, once again, asked me, I pose another question. God, why would you allow somebody that's even worse bring judgment on someone? But God has a plan. God has a reason. God has a purpose behind everything. This was perplexing to that prophet, but then there was a presumption. Look at chapter number 2, verse number 1. I won't read it for sake of time, but when you look chapter number 2, verse number 1, he begins to perch on a, a tower. He's saying that God has an answer for me. God will give me an answer. So therefore, I'm just gonna wait. How many of you have ever been in that waiting phase of your Christian life? That waiting phase is probably one of the hardest phases that you will ever go through in your life. Because you don't understand that you want to... And I'll be honest with you. I, I don't like waiting. I'm an impatient person. Um, I'll go ahead and admit to that. Uh, I want a microwave that microwaves faster than the one that we have. Uh, I want to... Especially when it comes to food, bless God. You don't get between me and food. And I'll just go ahead and I'll eat it cold, bless God. It'll be all right. But we have these uh, times where we're just having to wait that God just says, I've got something. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I've got a reason. 
I know that you don't understand right now, but just trust me. Maybe we should have sang that old song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way. What? To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. I was actually having a conversation just this afternoon about with somebody that was saying that why is it, Brother Shane, that we're able to trust God with our eternity so well, but we don't trust God with our today? That hurts. Because a lot of times, that's exactly what we're saying. That's exactly what we're doing is, oh, I trust Jesus Christ and I've placed my faith and trust in Him and He is going to take me exactly where I need to go to that place called heaven and He's promised me that and I'm going to go there, I'm going to be there and I'll be there forever for all of eternity and I'm going to go meet my loved ones that are already there and He's building me a mansion and we have all of this faith and we have all of this trust in the fact that He's going to do this but then when it comes to tomorrow, I've got this that I have to get done. Do we trust God with that? And that's exactly what we need to do is trust God no matter what's going on in our life. That if our today or our tomorrow or a week from now or whether it comes to our eternity, trust God with every step of the way. But his presumption is simply do that I can wait for him. And I say this, that the word of God in Isaiah actually says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We can wait on the Lord and we can see great and mighty things that happen as we wait on the Lord Jesus Christ and we wait on God. Uh, It seems like we just get tired of waiting and we get impatient and we say, well, maybe I shouldn't have to wait this long. But God has a reason for everything that He's doing. And I know it's easy preaching and it's hard living. That's why, I'll be honest with you, I always get nervous whenever I preach something like this because then I know that there's going to be the devil saying, oh, big boy. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I'm going to throw a few monkey wrenches into your life here for you. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. But I just got to say, I have to trust God. Just like I tell each and every one of you, just trust God. I have to tell me. I have to tell my wife. I have to tell my children. Anyone that asks that when you're going through, whatever you're going through, you just have to wait. Sometimes waiting changes our perception too. Sometimes God makes us wait just so we can change the attitude in which we are waiting in. Oh my. Chapter number 2, verse number 4 is probably one of the most important or rather well-known verses if you look at Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter number 2, verse number 4. It's a very important principle that's found here in chapter number 2. One of the, that the Apostle Paul even quoted several times, up to three times in the New Testament. If you believe and trust that, as I do, I believe that Paul, Brother Paul wrote the book of Hebrews as well. So if you see those two, those three times that he goes, he is, he quotes it and refers to this verse in those three instances. What is it? To live, the just shall live by faith. Even when we don't understand, even when we don't see, we trust and live by faith. If God is going to take me to heaven someday, if God's going to take me to glory someday, then why wouldn't he take care of me right now? I know this is real simple teaching, but really, truly, If he's going to do that to me, he's going to have this great thing for me come someday, come eternity, then what does he have in store for me here? I don't want to get to heaven someday and say, "Uh, God, I I just didn't trust you for this and that. And he said, well, I had this, that, and the other that I would have given you had you just trusted. 
Boy, that's a difficult thing to even think about, but the perception that's changed. And, and he says to live by faith and to look uh, by that faithful way. And then in chapter number 2, 6 through 20, the very end of it, God comes back and gives Habakkuk another answer and says, Listen, I know you're perplexed about this, and I know you have questions about this, and I know you want an answer, so I'm going to give you the answer that I, I need to give to you. And he gives five different woes that, to those people, those people that are puffed up about themselves, those ones that are saying, Boy, look at me, I I'm great. Look at me. I'm so proud. Who is he talking about? This was written right before the invasion of the Babylonians as they came into to Judah. The ones that were going to take Daniel. The ones that were going to take uh, the three Hebrew children and pull them out and put them into captivity. Those, uh, the, the Chaldeans that were coming in. The Babylonians that were coming in to attack the people of Jerusalem to be able to pull them out of there. But then God is telling them, listen, those people are prideful. Those people are looking uh, to be able to go. But there's five different woes and we won't go through those five woes that we have, but God gives to those woes as he's looking at Nebuchadnezzar. And then we finally come to the third and the final chapter and we see Habakkuk goes and he begins to just pray. Isn't it good when you just get in your prayer closet and just trust God and just put the, and when the devil tries to get in there, kick him out, tell him he's not welcome. I know the devil tries to get in your prayer closet too, praise God. But he tries to get in there with you. But then on chapter number 3, verse number 1, we've already read it. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet of Shiganoth. Uh, it's it's there simply there that it is a prayer. It is a supplication. It is a request being made known to God. I'm requesting God that you just hear me and hear my prayer. And I just want to... Shiganoth is actually a word that is caused and calls it a hymn or a psalm. Now, what's interesting, Brother Nick, about this is the fact that the word Selah, Selah, is actually used 75 times in our Old Testament, never anywhere else. It's found three times right here in this chapter. It's found one time in 2 Kings, and the other 71 time that you find it is in the book of Psalms. So he begins to sing a song. That's why a lot of people believe that he might have been a Levite. He was one of those singers that was one that was singing the praises of God. But he's here, he's he's looking at that, and he begins to sing a song of praise to God. He begins to sing a praise uh, to be able to say, Hey, I want to thank you, God, for who you are. I want to thank you, God, for what you've done. I see that you have a plan. I see that you have something in store for the people of of, of Israel. You have have something that is uh, way down the road. It may seem like it's forever away, but God, you have a plan, and I'm just going to praise you for what you've got. We can praise him for what we know that he has planned for us, whether we know what that plan is or not. Don't you know, and he even said it in the New Testament, Brother Earl, didn't he say that ye being evil know how to give good gifts? Don't you think that I, the Father, a good Father, a righteous Father, a just Father, would give you good gifts. So he's got great gifts to, to be able to give to us. But look with me in this chapter, and we'll, get, we'll be able to get home here pretty early. I mean, the sun won't even be set, praise the Lord, by the time we get home. Y'all don't believe me, do you? I will try. Number one, I want you to see this. There's a plea. Look at verse number two, chapter number three, verse number two. There's a plea. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. And in the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. 
He's pleading out to God and he's saying, hey, I just want to sing this song and I want to plead to you, God, that prayer uh, is going to be able to be heard. And I thank God that there's been times in my life where prayer has been just exactly what I need. I didn't need anybody to come alongside and just pat me on the back. I didn't need anybody else to come alongside and tell me it'd be okay. But I needed the Heavenly Father, glory to God, to be able to come down on my side, to be able to say, hey, uh, you may not need anything, you don't need anything else of this world, but if you trust me and you stay with me and you just do exactly as I have instructed you to do, then praise God, I will bring you through. And that has helped me more. That has helped me more than a thousand people coming alongside and patting you on the back. Now, if you're one of these Christians that needs somebody to pat you on the back and tell you it's going to be okay, come over here after service is over and me and Brother Earl will pat you on the back until you know it's okay. But thank God that you don't have to wait on me or Brother Earl or Brother Joe or Brother Tom or Brother Joseph or anybody else. You have a God, you have a Father, you have the Lord Jesus Christ that is on your side and He wants to say, I am with you, I am for you and just pray and plead to me then I will make it okay the prayers of the people, uh, boy that changes things, that changes people which changes things, brother James I believe with all of my heart that prayer changes You say, well, how did it make a difference? Well, I believe that it made a difference whenever you were looking at Noah and he was in the midst of a flood and he was there in the midst on a boat and he was praying and God was answering his prayers. I believe that it made a difference when Joseph was in the prison. Glory to God. It made a difference in his life because he was able to go home and God was answering his prayer. There was a man named Joseph over in the desert, praise God. And he saw a bush and it was lighted up and it was on fire, but then there wasn't anything that was ever going to, Uh, put it out, but glory to God, that made a difference in his life when he heard from God. You don't need to hear from me. You don't need to hear from anybody else. You don't need to hear from the self-help coaches. Nothing like that. All you need to hear from tonight is God Almighty. I believe it made a difference in those three Hebrew boys when they heard from God in the midst of a furnace. I believe it made a difference whenever Jonah was in the belly of that great fish and he heard from God, came back up and did exactly what he was to do. I believe that when the psalmist said that he was a present help in my time of need and time of danger, I believe it helped him, Brother Nick. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, Brother Kyle, there's been times in my life where God has made the difference God had touched my life and I made that plea and he made, it, he made this prayer and, and, and hear from him absolutely work and help me along to make a step, of, a step further away. Boy, we go through that plea. Well, you see, well, what is that plea all about? Well, in that chapter number three, verse number two, the very first part of that verse, it says this, Oh Lord, I've heard thy speech, heard from God. And I was afraid. Have you ever been scared? I remember being scared for a lot of my younger life. If you had Michelle for an older sister, you'd be scared too. I can say that because she's not here right now. (laughs) Don't tell on me, Mandy. She'll beat me and you both up. I was scared most of, a lot of my life, and I was, I was afraid of things. I was afraid, I don't know if y'all want to admit to this, and y'all probably won't, but I was afraid of the dark. Y'all been afraid of the dark? 
I was the only one. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't make me feel good. I was afraid of the dark. I was afraid of everything. And I remember I was afraid of storms. I was afraid of storms whenever storms came along and lightning started happening and thunder started rolling and boy, the storms. And we lived in one of those old creepy houses. Y'all ever leave in a creepy house? We lived in one of those creepy houses where it was, everything was, uh, the windows were 10 foot tall and they were uh, these crazy things. And the trees looked like monsters on the outside. One of those kind of houses. And we lived in that, and I remember being there, and, and one of those storms came along, and the thunder started rolling, and then it started raining, and then it seemed like the hands of those trees started scraping on the windows. Scared the living tar out of me. I was afraid of for my life. I thought everything was going to come in there and get me, and mom and dad was assuring me, everything's okay, Shane, it'll be all right. And all of a sudden, there's a big clap of thunder and a bolt of lightning, and the lights went out. I don't know about you, but when you're afraid of the dark and it's nighttime and the lights go out, that's the night the lights went out in Georgia. Yeah. Y'all laughing, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Boy, the lights went out and I was so afraid I didn't know where I was going to go and I just started screaming. I started running down the hallway. Ah! Got about halfway down the hallway. As soon as I got about halfway down the hallway, somebody reached out. I didn't know who it was, Brother James. They said, I got you. That didn't help. I started screaming even more. Dad said, shut up, Shane. It's okay. I said, oh, it's you. I had a heart attack. I'm so afraid. I was scared of what was happening to me right at that moment. You say, Brother Shane, that's really silly. Well... I use a silly illustration to be able to say that there are times in our lives where we are really afraid. And we think that everything has gone wrong. And we don't want to accept the will of God that this is what's going to happen. But then all of a sudden somebody wraps their arms around you and says... Somebody wraps their arms around you and says, I've got you. And you don't scream because you know that peaceful voice. That voice that is so sweet that says, I have you. My will for you, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. But my will for you, accept this. There's been times that we have to just accept the plan and the purpose of God and see what God can do. Not only that verse when it says that I was afraid, but look what it says also. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years and in the midst of the years make known. Boy, Habakkuk knows the power of God. He has seen, he has read about the power of God. And to be honest with you, I believe, Brother Joey, I believe that this is one of the things that we miss out on, that we belittle the power of God because we have gotten so set on this fact that it's just a Bible. It's just a book. And it's not just a book. 
These are not just stories. These are accounts of people that God has given to each and every one of us. And when we grasp and we get a hold of the fact that it is not just a group of good lessons or a group of little stories that we have, but these are things that God wants to give to us to let us to be able to see His power, then He does just, and we can do just as Habakkuk does. We can appeal to the power of God right along with our plea that we can say, God, I need, I know that You are powerful. I know that you can do all things. I know that you can make this a pathway. I know that you can do this for me. And God, I beg you that you just make this happen. I plead with you on the power that you have. Not me, not my my family, not anybody else that I'm looking to, not the, the government, not anything else that I'm looking to, but only God, you make this happen on your power. Well, the plea that he has, revive thy work. Boy, the work of God is absolutely amazing. I'm moving on really quickly, but then also at the end of that verse, look with me, the plea is, in wrath, remember mercy. When the judgment is poured out, God, have mercy. Have mercy on me and my family. My wife's favorite verse in all the Bible, Lamentations chapter number 3, verse number 22 It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions, they fail not. Because of His mercy, because of the mercy of God, and He advocates to God's mercy right there. Not only in that plea, He's saying, God, don't forget the mercy that you can give. Don't forget the mercy. We see number number one, the plea that He has, but then number two, we see a praise that He has. A praise that goes on. Look with verse number three with me. God came to Teman in the Holy One of the Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of His praise. Now, I'll be honest with you, we don't have a lot of problem with this because I thank God that the church that we go to, the church that we are at, people like to praise God. People enjoy praising God. But in the majority of places that I look and go to, and I'm afraid to say that there's not a whole lot of praising God that is going around, and we need to make sure that we begin to praise God. There's nothing greater than praising God. Oh, pastor's always told you, I've always heard that story told, that boy, even when you don't feel like it, when you just go ahead and you praise God, and if you praise God long enough, guess what? You begin to feel like praising God. And that's exactly what we need to do in our life is to praise God. But it's a personal God. Why? You praise Him because He's a personal God. Thank God that we don't serve a God that is uh, made with wood and stone. It's a stark contrast. If you look back in, in chapter number 2, verse number 18, it goes back and it says that what profit of the graven image that maker thereof that hath get made it in molten image and the teacher of lies, that maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols. Don't get mad at me. It's in the Bible. Dumb is in the Bible. Woe to him that saith to the wood, Awake to the dumb stone, arise and teach, because, behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. But when you get to verse number 20, hallelujah, when you get to verse number 20, but the Lord... Now, I want you to look. I'm getting excited in Bible study. I want you to look at it because it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. But the Lord, that is God Almighty, the 
exalted one, the one that is greater than the greatest, the one that is uh, one that is bringing us a problem. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. The Lord, praise God, is on the throne still today. Glory to God. We can know without a shadow of a doubt that God is in control. And I get to praise a God that is personal. I get to praise a God that personally knows me, that loves me, cares for me. And God loves you, loves you, knows you, cares for you as well. And we can praise God in the fact that we have a personal God. We can serve a God that's, we don't serve a God that's not involved with our life. We serve a God that is very involved as much as he, as much as you allow him to be. Let me say it that way. As much as you allow God to be a part of your life, he wants to be. I want to say with open doors and open arms, Lord, take all. Take it all. Take me all that I can, can do. Boy, he goes through. It's a personal God as you look through those verses. Verses number 12, 13, 14, 15. I won't take the time to go through those each verses, but it goes on. It says that he did march. He, went, he was marching there. He goes and he says in verse number 13, went forth. He went out and he was pursuing. Hey, thank God. And he did strike. He made sure that he took care of the enemies that were coming. And he walked. (laughs) Hallelujah. He walked with us. He walks with each and every one of us. He's a personal God. But then there's a powerful God too. We praise him for his power. Look at verse number 10, verse number 11. It says, the mountains saw thee and they trembled. An overflowing of the waters passed by and the deep uttered his voice. And lifted up his hands on high. And the sun and the moon stood still in their habitation. And at the light of thine arrows they went. And at the shining of thy glittering spear. Can we just say, I know I said this a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching. When we were looking through the book of Nahum. But I just want to say it again. What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome, amazing God that he absolutely loves, cares for us, personal, but then he is powerful. So powerful, just as they're saying. What kind of man is this? What manner of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him? Where is he from, as Brother Joe said? This is an amazing thing that we have. And as we study the prophets, they open these curtains of this majesty that we see with how God is working and the power of God that he has. And we serve that same God. What excites me, Brother Mike, is the fact that we serve the same God now that Habakkuk is talking about back then and Nahum talked about back then and Jonah talked about back then and Isaiah and Jeremiah and all of those. The ones that Abraham, Isaac and Jacob served. It's the same God and we have the same, He has the same power and we have the same connection to be able to go to Him and make known to our Heavenly Father the power that He has. But then also in that is, there's also a a purpose that He has. Look at the purpose in verse number 13. And I'm going to hurry as fast as I can because the sun's setting faster than I thought it was going to. Habakkuk chapter number 3, verse number 13, it says, Thou wentest forth, I talked about this briefly, but look at this. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thine anointed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
There's a purpose, there's a plan, he has the direction, he's been going on. They went as forth, thou was going for the salvation of thy people, for the salvation with thy anointed. Thou woundest the head of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation of the neck. Selah, think about that for a moment. That God, every step of the way, has been going through and as he's been walking through the portals of time and has been... Uh, 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 directing traffic in here and directing traffic in there and moving in all these different directions, that God has been setting a purpose, a specific purpose. What is the purpose? That He saved me. That He saved me when I was a six-year-old little boy. That He saved you whenever you trusted Christ as your Savior. That God has a purpose that He bring you to Himself and make much of His Savior, Jesus Christ. And thank God that we can have uh, know uh, that He has a purpose for each and every one of us and that thank Thank God that gives a not only a plea that I can have, but also that there is a praise that I have because of that. Because of the power of God, because of the personal God, and because of the purpose of God, I can praise Him. We ought to be able to praise Him too. But I want you to look lastly, the last few verses of the chapter. Chapter number 3, verse number 17. There's a praise. There's a plea. But thank God there's a peace. A peace that passeth all understanding. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. The field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Sounds like Biden was their president too. Oh, did I just say that? I'm sorry. I'm going to get in trouble. Yet. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You see the devastation that's happening there. You see that nothing is going right. Everything has gone wrong. But there is still a sweet presence and a sweet peace. (laughs) Hallelujah. With God Almighty. I love in the book of Proverbs, it says that you shall lay down and pillow your head and your sleep shall be Sweet. Say, Brother Shane, I haven't had a good night's sleep in a long while. Are you missing out on the peace of God? Verse number 17 is a catalog of failure. The fig tree's not blossoming. The fruit and the vines, they're not there anymore. The olive is, the labor of the olive trees, are, they're, they're failing The fields have no meat. The flock is cut off. There's no herds. There's nothing for you anymore. And I'll be honest with you, that list kind of covers the whole gamut. Nothing's working, nothing is available. And I've been down the road where I thought everything has gone wrong. Have you ever had that moment when you just said, and you wished you hadn't said it because something else did? What else could go wrong? And it seems like that did too. 
But I want you to look. Remember, he was in despair in chapter number one. And now he's listing off this catalog of failures. But then there's a confession of faith in the sweet peace of God. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You see, that devastation was there and it was not, nothing was working. Yet, in the midst of my trial, yet I will praise God. In the midst of this devastation that is going on in my life, yet I will, I will stay in the peace of God. Psalmist said it this way, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor seed begging bread. Psalmist also said this, trouble and anguish have taken hold of me, yet thy commandments are my delight. So Brother Shane, I'm having a hard time. It's difficult. Are you staying in the Word of God? Are you staying on your knees in prayer? You still keeping that relationship? There's a confession of faith that's taking place that Habakkuk is saying, we have something to rejoice about even in the midst of trials. Great joy that overflows our soul. But then there's a conviction of God's faithfulness. I want you to look at me in verse number 19 and we'll close. The Lord, thy God, the Lord God is, there it is again. Personal God, my strength. I can, I can know that I'll be okay because God is for me. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hind's feet and, I will, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. To the chief singer on my stringed instrument. Brother James, he started out in chapter number one with a question mark. Why? But in chapter number three, he closes out with an exclamation point and says, God is good. God is great. God is my strength. God is for me. Why? Because God is faithful. Brother Joe, he has. How fitting. He has. He's been through it all. He's been faithful from defeat to triumph. He has been faithful all along. And I want to tell you this. If you're here tonight and you're having a time of trouble or turmoil in your life, I want you to just do this. Trust God. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to figure out how you're going to go or who you're going to talk to or what's going to happen or how you can angle this certain direction. Just trust God. And what God tells you to do, do that. He knows what he's doing. He knows, Brother Mike, better than we know. If you're here pondering questions about why are the things going the way that they are, why are they occurring this way in the world, just trust God. Because he's faithful. He's good. He's our strength. You know, we might just need to just come to a 
a realization that I just need to let go. You hear that old cliche, just let go and let God? That's hard to do. But that's one of those things that, Brother Barrios, we just might need to do. God, I've done all that I can do, and I have made a royal mess. God, I'm just putting it in your hands. I'm just trusting you. That's exactly what Habakkuk did, and that's exactly what God tells us in his word to do as well. Let's stand all over the building. Heavenly Father.